0: Yep. Hey,
1: everybody. I got a question for you. How, if you wanted to, could you
0: level up your training game? Oh, we're talking about, you must be talking about our customized training programs of designed. Of course, I'm talking to about to our unlock. customized training programs. Oh, my God. <laughs> and we just incorporated it in Alabama. Yeah, we <laughs> yes, we did. So
1: we can we now officially operate in, in Alabama. <laughs> yeah.
0: but you know what? That's That brings you around to all. It's all about delivering the experience, The not just plain old off-the-shelf training. We make it engaging, hands-on, and not boring. Yeah, our
1: instructors are knowledgeable. They are fully engaged. They're literally the best in your field. Uh, and we... Honestly, personally train them and get them to the point that they are going to be able to transform your team's capabilities. So don't miss out on training with us.
0: It's a journey in both personal and professional excellence. Yeah, so we are bringing everything in. Don't miss out. Go to the hazmatguys.com slash hire us. Reserve your spot because we were just talking about this before online. line. Uh, the spots are filling up fast. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, they we're are six <laughs> months out right now. so um, yeah. we, were, we were literally just having conversations like, how do we tell people those are blackout dates now? <laughs> yeah, like we have like eight, eight classes going on the same day. So any we have some stuff coming up. The Battery Destroyers Club uh, Part 2 will be on the West Coast in San Diego. Sunny downtown San Diego. Uh, more to come on that one. But that is going to be uh, something that I think we're actually participating in on February 20th, 21, 22 of 2024. And then we're going to have a wrap-up um, kind of summary party um, like we did the last one. And... Kind of see what we did. Uh, discuss with the players what they pulled out of it. It should be a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, that. And then no we have we have our after action report. We're going
1: to have our second after action report podcast. This is going to be the first Wednesday of February, which is February seventh. Now we are pretty sure that because of the guest, this is probably going to be a three or four day podcast. <laughs> So for those of you who do not know of the incredible Rick Emery, uh, by all means, come on and join us. It is a long form format. It's live uh, and then uh, it's available on YouTube. But what makes it great is that it is it is uh, listener interactive. So you can comment, you can bring uh, questions
0: you want to break his chops. We can break his chops. So come on, guys. It's a lot of fun. I love it. Uh, conferences coming up. I think the next one up is Walmart, the Wisconsin one. Then the old New Englander. Um, that's going to be March 26th. OMRA, April 8th. Michigan, April 15th. Cold zone, May 8th. South Carolina, May 19th. Oh, in New York State. I apologize. February 16th. That is like in two weeks. I'll be up there. And there's many more. Oklahoma, May 15th. That's another one. Just went on the list. So A lot of stuff moving around.
1: Yeah, and there's always the Baltimore and uh, the ones that are our, 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 our standards. Yeah.
0: So uh, back to the topic at hand, uh, part three, as you can see from the topic below, the psychological hurdles of hazmat techs. Two more of the 10. So this will be uh, numbers five and six yep. of the 10. Um, I think they're a little bit more of the obscure but still mega important i think this first one is extremely relevant
1: i think it's relevant because it for us we kind of the fire department which is where hazmat stems right you have the culture of hazmat which has been formed by the culture of the fire department and -hmm. the culture of the fire department is very big into this it's group thinking group thinking is a psychological tendency where the desire for group harmony leads to irrational and poor decision making outcomes uh with members always looking to avoid critical evolution of ideas so this kind of this kind of almost lands into the, the a couple of different sayings that we love right firefighters hate two things change, change and the way, the things, way are, things are <laughs> right so <laughs> That's true. Um, and you know you see this a lot in the you know you, you you go to the firehouse and and they're doing something some way and you go hey why do we do it like this and their answer is well because this is how we've always done it That's the paradigm that is. So this is definitely something that can stem into the into the hazmat world. Um, And I kind of feel like it might be a combination of a couple of different of the psychological um, fallacies kind of coming together to to play
0: a a large group picture. But what do we have? What would be some other examples of group thinking? Well, a couple of the real life ones, we pulled out three that are right in that vein is the Challenger space shuttle disaster from way back in 1986. I remember being in a library when that happened. I, I don't was know why.
1: I was sitting in the classroom watching it go off, and yeah. it happened, and the teacher shut it off and never spoke of it again. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: let's put that to bed. Uh, but in this one, NASA engineers and decision makers proceeded with the Challenger launch despite concerns about the O-ring seals failing in cold weather, and the group tr- think contributed to this dismal loss of these concerns in favor of maintaining the schedules. Uh, leading to the tragic explosion. In fact, if for a little bonus material for you guys, there is a tremendous TED talk. Was it? it I don't remember. I don't
1: think it was a TED talk. No, it was a. It was not a TED talk. It was actually an, uh, an presentation? IAFF
0: presentation. That's it. That was done uh, and recorded it, and posted on YouTube. It was called the um, Normalization of Deviance by some guy named Scott. I don't remember what his first name was. He was but an astronaut. He was an astronaut and he I urge you listen to that presentation because it is uncanny, the parallel to the fire and hazmat. perfect you see it if you're honest with yourself you see the normalization of
1: deviance in your everyday life oh yeah Uh, i I know i did it as as i did things in the fire like uh, after watching that after watching that video the normalization of deviance i went "Eh, do we do stuff like that and i sat down and i came up with a list of like 10 things i was probably at about 12 years in the hazmat when i saw that video and i was able to write down a list of 10 things within five minutes of things that we no longer do now that we did 10 years ago and that was that was the normalization of deviance uh just weird little like double uh double bagging uh contaminated equipment and putting goosenecks on them is something that we used to do and then we just kind of slowly moved away from it. So that would be an example. A uh, more modern example, the Enron collapse. For those of you who, who weren't financially savvy back in 2001, uh, Enron was a company uh, that completely, literally just one day existed and one day didn't. And the downfall of Enron can be partially attributed to this groupthink idea. Uh, executives were for, uh, fostering a culture of conformity and uh, uh, being super Uncritical uh, towards um, uh, towards the uh, what would you call it? Um, if you b- have a problem, acceptance. yes, the acceptance of really, really bad, risky financial practices, which
0: ultimately led to the company's fraudulent activity and a absolute total, total, total collapse. And probably the most recent is the Volkswagen emissions scandal of 2015, where this 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 was another group think where the decision to install software and diesel engines to cheat emission tests. And that prevented the culture in the company well that. Prevailing culture in the company discouraged dissenting opinions and prioritized conformity, leading to scandals. Mm. So. It is what out do, there. What do you mean? It's not working properly. That was kind of that was a big one. <laughs> that yeah, was a big so.
1: one. Good for them. I'm I'm yeah. sorry. Good for them. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, like these all, like all of these other. Um, fallacies, we want to try to think of some strategies that we can use to try to to try to beat them. And you're going to notice that there are similarities for a lot of them. It is amazing what proper communication and encouraging open dialogue can do. If you can create an environment where differing opinions are welcomed, not just welcomed, but accepted, talked about and valued, you can do so much against a lot of these things, but you can definitely push back against this
0: group thinking right one of the things that we highly advocate for and we say this all the time is if somebody has an idea then your job is to open up the machine gun on that idea and be the devil's advocate and you have to challenge and if that guy's idea stands up and it's still after smoke clears and it's still there then that's the idea
1: Yep. We were I was literally just putting these uh, to practice in a, in an incident command class and the safety class that were that we're currently teaching throughout January. So we literally take these ideas and, and we teach them in class. This is part of keeping up on the latest and the the greatest in understanding and how to operate that, you know, we 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 do all the time. Yeah. Um, All right, I'm going to say this, and half the people are going to shut the podcast off. So let me please get through this before you turn it off. Diversifying your team. Now, before you go getting all like HR excited on me here. I am not referring to diversity in the way that you think I'm Mm. referring to diversity. Okay. I'm not referring to racial diversity or ethnic backgrounds or any of that nonsense. What I'm talking about when I say diversity is different types of backgrounds and viewpoints. So if I have if I want to have a diverse team, I have a guy like Bob who is extremely good with chemistry, right? He's a, he's mm-hmm. gone to school for chemistry, but then I also have the guy who's never stepped foot on a college campus, but he's phenomenal with tools yep. and he's great with things like plumbing and hands-on things. That's how you create a diverse team. And if you can accept their different backgrounds, And you can listen to to things that people say. You turn around and you go, okay, this guy's a plumber, but you know what? I understand that this is where I'm limited, so please step up and, and, and give me your thoughts and your opinions. And even if his opinions start to meld into my area, just the fact that he's got a different viewpoint, a different place from which he's coming from, maybe he's got a completely different experience, or he's been in a similar situation and he knows what works and what doesn't work, that's where diversifying your team comes into play
0: yeah and and having those not only diverse people but people that will stand on their own like independent thinkers that are like i can i'm encouraged to say stuff yeah and Uh You do that by by creating a a structural
1: kind of decision making hierarchy within your within your your organization, because without that, you're Mm -hmm. going to people are going to develop their own way of communicating and their own culture within even a subculture. So if you have that framework up there and it's coming from the top down, then Mm -hmm. you
0: absolutely 100 percent are going to be able to avoid this fallacy. And I think, you know, everybody, you have to have the environment set up that there is no shame, shame, you know, like when, when somebody says something, you're like, oh, I can't believe like you'll see that a lot of times in like specifically fire departments or police departments where the new guy, you shut up, you got two ears and one eye, you know, mouth and you listen twice as much as you li- It's like, no, we all need to plug into this thing. Right. And,
1: you know, w- not only do we all need to plug into it, but we, made it, we need to make sure that other people are plugging into it. So it, when you're on scene uh, and let's say you've got a subject matter expert from uh, the organiza- another organization or an industry representative is there, that's an external input that you absolutely want to seek out and you want to integrate that outside perspective to
0: try to challenge any of the internal consensus. I like that. I like that. And I will wrap it up on this one, is the educational initiatives, right? Which is to actually train on this. Actually actually work and set up tabletops to break this paradigm of groupthink where people go, "Well, Mike said it. So it has to be true. I mean, Mike oh, is yeah. he's the hazmat guy. Yep. You know, that is unbelievably bad to do that so work on blowing it up and being like no i'm gonna push back on this guy every single time and you know what's funny is that not one of these things can independently
1: overcome the group think you really do have to link them all together and and do everything yeah. Okay. Next, biasy going on over here uh, is hindsight bias. All right. What is hindsight bias? And you, they may you may hear the expression hindsight is 2020, and that's great. We can often look back and be like, yeah, man, I shouldn't have done that. But what happens if we take the bad lessons from the past and we try to apply them to the future? H- hindsight bias is a tendency to believe um, that. Uh, Sorry, the tendency to believe one had an accurate prediction of an evented outcome after it has occurred, leading to an oversimplification of cause and effect perception.
0: Yes, this is. uh, We've talked about this a million times and we are we've said this a million times, we uh, and the term we use is armchair quarterback or Monday morning quarterback, this thing, right? Right. It's, and I've also, I, I've said this all the time. It's like, it's very easy to be like, oh, what, what happened with that whole, you know, chloropicrin job? Well, you already got the punchline. So like when I was there and we didn't know it was chloropicrin, that's why we did these things, but you got the end result and it's very easy to pick apart the middle means to get to the end result. And so it's really easy to do it. So one of the real world like the stock market. You know, oh I was just watching this movie on a flight. It was called Dumb Money. And it was about the Wall Street Bets thing with the GameStop. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and about the these these uh these these kids that were that were investing all their money and they were taking on the big banks. It was a brilliant movie. It was great. But like Post-event claims of oh, I knew the market was gonna crash. Yep. I knew it was gonna take off. That's why I jumped in there. You know, like right.
1: and, and shut then up. You, and then you you take that like you, you build yourself up and and now you take chances and you uh you yeah, don't like, analyze the risk because you're like, well, I was right last time. Of right. course, I'm gonna be right again. <laughs> um, you know the the one of the the best examples I can think of for this is the uh, flight into the Hudson, which they ended up making a movie about. And and yeah. this clip is on TikTok and 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 you know uh, uh, whatever other nonsense is out there, where. You know, they're, they're kind of being judged by this whole panel of people and the they're, they're they're going, well, the other pilots in the flight simulation, they were able to land at the airport. And when they turn around and they, they, they deduce it down, the pilots go, well, wait, wait a second, wait a second. They're, they already know walking into the simulator what's, what's going to happen, happen <laughs> what the problem is and what they need to do. So the moment the bird strikes and the engines die, they implement the plan right away. He's like we didn't have that. It took us a good 30 seconds to figure out what was wrong and then that those 30 seconds later now we have to figure out a decision to make. So, you know, the the people who just walked into that flight simulator going this is what I need to do, that was hindsight
0: bias. I like that. So, a a strategy to counteract this thing. And this is a little different than the previous ones because this takes a little more homework to do it. But and I think this first one is, is actually brilliant, is a decision journal, right? So what you do is you record your decision rationales at the time of making them for later comparison. And this is kind of like like right now we're specking out a really big... Um, a full exercise, like a, um, a, in, a, uh, an emergency exercise is going to be like a, a big thing, right? And so you have these guys called scribes, and they are supposed to write around, run around and basically write down all the stuff that happens so that later on we can analyze it. Well, this is kind of the same thing where you want to write down what you made the decision and based upon what for further analysis later. Yeah. I think it's really a, it's a growth thing. It, it is a growth
1: thing. And as an instructor, you can actually bring that concept into the classroom. And it, it's very, very simple. I, I, and, and we do this and all of our instructors are encouraged to do this as well. We start the classroom by saying, we're going to ask you a question, but in reality, we don't really give a shit what your answer is, right? You can answer yes. You can answer no. You can answer blue. You can answer purple. You can answer wet. You can answer dry. I want to know the reason that you came to that answer. And if he has the right answer, I'm not gonna ask somebody else that had the right answer, what is your reason? Because they may have came to the same conclusion, but using two totally different reasons. And Mm -hmm. your reason could be wrong. Which is the crazy part. This is where this comes from is your reasoning can be wrong. And yet this time you happen to get to the right answer. So if you're an instructor, don't worry about the answer. Worry about how they get to the answer. And this is going to be your process focused evaluation where you concentrate on the decision making process rather
0: than the outcome. I like that critical thinking promotion. Be that guy, the disruptor, I, not the pain in the ass. We, we know that guy. <laughs> Damn it. But the guy that's like, you know, he thinks, and I hate to say out of the box because it's such a, an overused term, but the guy that thinks unorthodox. Mm. He thinks of, of things and goes, well, what if we do it like this? The guy that's not afraid to break the power line. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. And we want
1: to to try to get to that position where you are that guy, try to think probabilistically. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Probably that, that was perfect, right? You want to yeah. think in terms of probability because we know when we're doing risk analysis, when we're doing cost benefit analysis, when we're trying to figure out risk versus reward, all these kind of catchphrases that we throw around in hazmat that that nobody really actually, you know, fully embraces, they're all probabilistically thinking. Oh, I will get this one day. That was day. good. <laughs> that was great. So it's practicing the outcome like of an assessment so what is the likelihood that this action is going to cause this event because if I have a 25% chance of that likelihood of that probability coming out well that means I got at least one other thing that needs to occur or could possibly occur and I need to analyze that I need to think about that and I need to focus a plan in
0: case that happens we've said this before but you want diverse perspectives right you want people uh you want plumbers and you got you want the, the weightlifters and you want the chemists and you want a diverse crowd of people for before question for before decision time is and then post decision time because you're getting at the ron burgundy guy who goes boy that escalated pretty quickly you know <laughs> like like i didn't see that one coming you know like you need those guys they kicked
1: baxter <laughs> All right, so uh, another thing that can help fight this is learning about the past, right? We we often will say history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. If you can turn around and you can look at prior case studies, hazmat is low-frequency High risk. So it's not going to happen a lot. There's a good chance that you might only have one experience in X, Y, and Z. Well, why not seek out other people who have had that experience and learn from them prior to you being in a position where now you have to try
0: to figure out what to do? Yeah. And even acknowledge complexity. And we I know we've spoke about this because I've seen instructors do this and it drives me at the wall is that you'll have instructors that are simplifiers and then um, and and exaggerators. Right. And they they'll take ah, you know, this whole physics thing is just quarks and bosons. It's like you just minimum <laughs> people <laughs> have PhDs and you did it right. in one sentence like that's way too much over oversimplification, or the guy would be like, yeah, we're just talking about pumps, and you know, like, like three days, and you're like, well, that's a you can't talk about pumps for three days, like nobody no. can do that, that's insane, so understand that oversimplification of events in either historical or analytical reviews could be a bad thing, acknowledge, embrace the complexity, and plug more people to break that apart and be better Yeah, I think I think this stems,
1: you know, you're if you're taking it from the point of view of of uh, of coming up with ideas, there's also the point of view of this complexity thing with acknowledging that something is more complex and maybe just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's wrong right, <laughs> right they, like there's there could be more to what's going on than what you simply see and understand and i see this a lot in the people that that are like flat earthers Right uh, where they you, you see like a picture of a horizon that's flat and they're like, well, see, that see? proves that the earth is flat. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're not taking into account that this could be a fisheye lens. This could be a distortion of the photograph. Like you have to acknowledge things are a lot more complex than, than what oh. we think they are. Emails
0: are coming in already. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! You I hope, hope we don't have any flat earthers oh, listening if to you this do, podcast. Send me an email at mike at the Definitely not. <laughs>
1: um, all right, we need to be open to feedback and debriefing. Right, the the decision making process uh, and the expectations in the post event briefs. Um, we because this is where we're going to learn from from our mistakes. Nobody uh, except me and Bob do anything perfectly. So we. You need to make sure that uh, that if you're not me or
0: Bob, that uh, you're 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 learning from your mistakes. I love it. And I think that does it for these two. We'll come back to the next one. The only thing I would like to say is uh, one of our. Longtime friends and sponsors is the Emer- Industrial emergency council, IEC. It's a nonprofit led by experts providing diverse emergency training for 40 plus years, collaborating with the fire department, police department, militaries, private sectors. Go check them out at iectraining.org or call six five zero-508-9008. We have no worry of deconflicting with this. We can do this. We can mention whatever we want. Absolutely.